0: To the simple,
1: to the simple
0: truth. You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
1: Believing isn't Jesus' goal for our life, following Him is what Jesus shoots for. Learning and growing and becoming like Him. Yes, Jesus wants us to believe in Him. But that's not his goal. That will definitely get us a get out of hell free card. But Jesus wants so much more than that. He doesn't want just for us to believe. He wants for us to follow. As we cling to the simplest.
0: you only believed in Jesus but not yet chosen to follow Him with your life? Today Pastor Dion will teach listeners that there's so much more of Jesus to experience when we follow Him. While the first step in a relationship with Jesus is to believe in Him, He desires something much deeper. As we grow in our walk with Him and His direction on our life, we become more like Him. In a world that clamors for your attention, choose to follow the one that's the source of life and salvation. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Mark, chapter 1, with today's edition of The Simple Truth.
1: I'm going to ask everyone if we'll open our Bibles to Mark, chapter 1. Mark, chapter 1. We've been going through a series called Encounters with Jesus. And so it is, as Jesus in his earthly ministry, walked daily through the streets. It wasn't just a general savior who came to just generally everyone, but he came specifically and stepped into individual lives and touched them. And we've been looking at those particular um, encounters. And so um, we'll start in Mark. But let's go ahead and start with a prayer. Father, we want to say thank you for meeting us here with your Spirit, with your Word, and with your presence. Those three in combination, Lord, just really. Speak to our hearts, and I pray, Father, that it just, uh, it, it, as we gather around your word, it changes us, that it, um, that it speaks to us, and Lord, that, uh, that we embrace it, and we learn from it, and we grow from it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to start by saying this. The world has a way of dehydrating us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. How many of you can identify with that, right? I mean, the world has a way of just dehydrating us, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. See, the world has a way of squeezing every bit of energy, passion, and hope out of us. And I think we've all experienced that, just as daily life has this way of squeezing it out of us. The world does. And that's because Satan, who is the god of this world, has targeted mankind for destruction. And I'm not talking just about certain individuals. Satan has targeted every single person on the face of the planet for destruction. See, every single person is created in the image and the likeness of God. And for that very reason, Satan wants to mar that image. He wants to destroy that image. So he doesn't care if you're a good person or a bad person. He doesn't care if you're doing great things or you're doing the total opposite. He wants to destroy you simply because we are created in the image and the likeness of God. In fact, he's the God of this world and has targeted us for destruction. He has picked you out and wants to destroy you. Now stop and think, those of us in the room who have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ He wants to target us. He has targeted us even more. He wants to destroy us even more. Not just because we bear the image of God, because we bear his spirit, we bear his seal, and we're part of his family. So as a Christian, you're even targeted even more. See, Satan knows, and he's targeting every. Every individual and and Christians even more. Satan knows that if just like on the video games that if he hits you enough, eventually your life will go black. Your life will get depleted, and it'll be game over. Everybody said out loud, "What game over?" So Satan is isolated, targeted every individual for destruction, and he knows that if he hits hard enough and long enough, that eventually your life. That hope, that energy, that passion will just dehydrate and it'll be game over. See, he wants you to run out of gas. He wants you to run out of hope. He wants you to run out of life. But there's some good news. Jesus came, right? Jesus came. Let's read John chapter 10 and verse 9. This is what Jesus said himself. He said, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Read this last part out loud with me. But I have come that they might have a life and that they have it more abundantly. That's a great place to just shout, right? Just to say, hey, thanks. So the Lord and Jesus knew that we were being targeted by Satan, being depleted. He said, but listen, I've come. I've come. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that I might fill you with life and an abundant life. So that, that sounds like a great promise. But lest you think that that's just a general promise, you know, that Jesus just came and made that promise just generally. And, and you know, it's unspecific and vague. You know, maybe that promise is for someone, somewhere, you know, at at some other time. If people were thinking that, Jesus made sure to make it personal. So he came, he makes a promise, I came to give life and life more abundantly. But lest there are people who think, oh yeah, sure, I don't know if he's really talking about me. Jesus made sure to make it personal. Just like the thief is targeting us for destruction, Jesus is targeting us individually for abundant life. He came not just generally, just I just came generally by throwing the promise out there. He wanted to make sure that we understood it was personal for each and every one of us. And so we've been walking through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, And we have been looking at the encounters that Jesus had, watching how Jesus stepped into individual lives to fill them. I mean, Jesus stepped into the life of a guy named Nicodemus and filled his empty religion. We remember that. We watched how Jesus stepped into the life of the woman at the well and filled her empty heart. We watched Jesus, how he stepped into the life of the nobleman who had a sick son and filled his empty hope. We watched how Jesus stepped into the life of Peter and filled his empty boat. You remember that? I mean, the story was Peter and his fisherman buddies had been fishing all night and caught nothing. Not that good of a fisherman, I guess. Been fishing all night and caught nothing. Jesus at this point in his ministry had just been a little less than a year, but he had made some, he had done some fabulous miracles and crowds were coming out to hear him and also to experience miracles. And Jesus was actually being suffocated. He's walking through the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He's being suffocated by the people he saw a couple of boats there on the on the seashore, and so he walks over to see whose they are, and it's Peter's. And so he asks Peter if he can borrow his boat. He's thinking if we can push it out on uh, in the water, and he can address the people from there. So Jesus does. And it was a wonderful teaching as Jesus teaches all of the people that are on the seashore. And then afterwards, he tells Peter, Peter, why don't you climb in the boat? I want you to climb in the boat and take me out for a a cruise into the deep. So Peter and his guys, they pull up anchor and they take Jesus out. And that's when Jesus says, Peter, drop the net here. And Peter kind of looks at Jesus like, you know, Jesus, you're you're a preacher, but you're not a fisherman. Um, Fishing is done at night, not in the day, bro. But he humors Jesus and he drops the net and the fish. The catch was so great that they had to call another boat to help them take the load in. The idea was Jesus stepped into his individual life and made this promise, sure, give you life and life more abundantly. He filled his empty boat. But guys, it didn't end there. It was after Jesus filled Peter's boat that Jesus invited Peter to do this. Everybody said, loud: to do what? to follow him. Listen, guys, believing isn't Jesus' goal for our life. Following him is what Jesus shoots for. Learning and growing and becoming like him. Yes, Jesus wants us to believe in him, but that's not his goal. That will definitely get us a get-out-of-hell-free card. But Jesus wants so much more than that. He doesn't want just for us to believe. He wants for us to follow. And that's why Jesus tells Peter after, I mean, Peter believed. Peter believed he was the Messiah. You know, he had, Jesus, the, the scripture had said that had looked at him, had had a penetrating look. Peter could see the power and the spirit that was inside of Jesus. He heard his he could he, he could sense the spirit of God and the fingerprint of God all over this Messiah. Not to mention that Peter himself experienced this catch when it's impossible to do. That This is an impossible thing. How would Jesus know? He is a believer already, but Jesus is asking him to do something more because that's Jesus' goal for our life. He's saying, follow me. So believing is, is one thing, but Jesus is wanting us to follow him. So Peter and his crew had to make a decision of a lifetime when Jesus looked at them after that big catch and said, follow me. In fact, let's go ahead and read it. Here's what it says. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, out loud together, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So right after that incident, as Jesus is, is asking them, I, I, believing is great, but I want you to follow me. They were left with a decision, and we read it. And here's what the verse said. They left all. They walked away from it. They, they parked their old life and started following Jesus. Guys, in order to follow Jesus, we need to park our old life. Park our old habits our old attitudes, our old behaviors. We need to park our grudges, our anger, our prejudice. We need to park our sinful habits and our secret sins. So Jesus invites us to follow him, but then we've got, they've got to park it. Following Jesus means that we've got to park something, and these guys did. So Peter and his crew parked their old life, and they began to follow Jesus. Now, Jesus stayed there in, in, the, around Galilee in the city of Capernaum for a while, and he was preaching and talking to people and sharing the truths of, of the gospel. But then Jesus said, you know, I want to carry this message to other places around the Galilee. There were a lot of little communities and towns around the Sea of Galilee, so I want to share it with them also. So he said, so let's go. And so the crew, Peter's crew and a few other disciples are in tow and they start walking with Jesus to another city. And they're the, it's, it's kind of, they're real hilly and rocky. And so Jesus is walking through this wilderness, you know, walking to the next village. And all of a sudden, they are, they, a man that is full of leprosy he approaches them. Let's read it. Here's what it says. Now a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, out loud together, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So Jesus is carrying this message to the rest of the little communities. They're walking through, you know, over the the hill, rocky hills, and all of a sudden, this leper comes out from under the rock somewhere, and he asks Jesus, he makes this, this incredible plea for healing. Now, Leprosy, say it again, what? Leprosy was an infectious and incurable skin disease. It was way beyond psoriasis or eczema. This disease, leprosy, what it would do is it would destroy the nerve cell endings in your body. A person would lose all feeling, and then the tissue around those nerves uh, would swell and gradually rot away. So here's, here's a picture of it. It usually started at all of the extremities, on your ears, on your nose, on your fingers, on your toes. So think about it. You know, you'd contract this disease, and all of a sudden, all of the nerve cell endings in your body would die. They could no longer have feeling, and then the flesh would begin to rot, and it would fall right off your bone. And it would happen on all the extremities. It would start there and just work its way down through your body. So guys, this would make for a gruesome appearance. And the rotting flesh caused a horrible, repulsive odor. Lepers kind of looked like zombies, except that they were decomposing while alive. Look at your neighbor and say, wow. The Jews back in the day in Israel called leprosy the living death. And the reason they called it the living death was because when a person was diagnosed with leprosy, the priest would document the leper's name, birth date, and the date of diagnosis. So the priests were the centralized people in Israel. They did a lot of things. And obviously, a person who had some kind of a rash, some kind of a skin disorder, would go see a physician. But at one point, when the physician noticed that this was beyond just a normal condition, they would send him to the priests. That's because in God's word, God had specifically outlined someone with a skin disease. If it begins to turn white, they needed to be quarantined and watched. And then if it continued to spread, they needed, it was, it was, it was contagious and deadly. They would need to be taken out of the city. God himself, you know, just quarantined trying to save the rest of the people. And so if you encountered, if you had a rash that hadn't gone away, you would go see the priest. And if it was diagnosed as leprosy, that priest would do this. He would take out the the, the book, a book of life, a book of death. He would write down your name. He would ask you for your birth date. And then he would write that date, today's date. He would write it down that from then on was going to be called your death date. So just like on a tombstone that has a birth date and then a death date, that's what the book did. So if you had leprosy and went to the priest, he'd document that. Then he would give you a black garment. Guys, it wasn't a fashion statement. It was the black garment that they normally wrap their dead in. It was a burial garment you would be given the burial garment and then the priest would recite a burial service over you while you're alive. In front of the, in front of the house. They didn't call, you know, do a burial service over you and then you would be escorted outside of the city, beyond the gates, and you would be left isolated, no longer able to engage with people anymore. You were isolated, kicked out. You were cut off from family and friends. You were banished from the Jewish community forever. You were isolated permanently. <laughs> you were ordered to wear a face mask and practice social distancing while you were out there. You had to shout, unclean, unclean, and you know, make sure your face was covered. You had to shout, unclean. It was your way of letting them know that you were contagious and so that they could make their way and you had to stay away from people. And the reason, I mean, they they do that. It was humiliating. It, It was degrading. And it was all because leprosy was extremely contagious. But you know what else is extremely contagious? This. Everybody say it out loud. Hope. Say it again. Hope. Hope is extremely contagious. So leprosy is extremely contagious, but so is hope. And in our story, somehow, this man in our story heard of Jesus. Listen, guys, someone's testimony, someone's God story reached this leper and touched him. I'm going to tell you this. Never underestimate or be embarrassed about your God story because it can inspire people to seek the Savior. Don't be ashamed. In fact, the Apostle Paul urged us like this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. He said this, read it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Listen, someone in the leper's earshot wasn't ashamed to talk about Jesus. Here was a situation Whether someone spoke to him, which was unlikely, because he's a leper, he's isolated, he can't be engaged with people. In fact, lepers mostly, in order to survive, they would uh, try to find a colony of lepers, and that's how they kind of maintained and, and survived a little bit longer. But for the most part, they were homeless. They were left to themselves, to fend for themselves. It was an ugly situation. Now, whether someone spoke to this man directly about Jesus, maybe they told him about the miracle of the water into wine. Maybe they told him about the nobleman's son who was healed. Or maybe he wasn't even spoken to directly. Maybe this guy heard somebody else talking to someone else about Jesus, and he just happened to eavesdrop. He just happened to hear about some healer. And, you know, he has to maintain his distance, so he's eavesdropping, you know, just kind of stalking, walking around and, you know, (sighs) listening. That's the interesting part about sharing your God story. Sometimes it's not even the person that you're directly talking to that it impacts the person you might be directly talking to might dismiss it, might, might you know, just might wave their hand and say, "No, nah, it's not for me." But someone sitting in the you know, desk next to them, somebody that's in the you know at the store in line on the next line in the aisle, somebody else might hear it, and it might be the hope that they need. So do not be ashamed to share your God story. You never know who's going to hear it. And that's, the, that's what brought hope in this, in this character, in this leper. I mean, guys, when health disintegrates, you know, when a spouse abandons you, when money dwindles, when a loved one passes, who's left? Who's left? Everybody said out loud, Jesus is left, right? He is Jehovah Rapha, the, the God who heals. There's no problem that He can't fix. There's no person that He won't touch that's the awesome thing about Jesus. In fact, here's a couple of verses. John chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus himself said this. Read it with me. Whoever comes to me, I will never reject them. That's pretty cool, yeah. Then there's Hebrews eleven six. Jesus is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So listen, this guy... This leper had some hope. He heard someone's God story, and it inspired some hope in him. And he just, I'm going to seek him out. I'm going to seek this Jesus person. So, I mean, you can imagine not being able to engage with people, not being able to stop at someone's house and say, hey, have you heard this Jesus guy? I'm trying to find him. He's got to navigate this on his own but he navigates all the way to the point where he finds Jesus. Now listen, guys, at this point when he makes himself known to Jesus, he could have been stoned on the spot for endangering others with this infectious disease. Because you know that there's always those people who are going to call because you're not following the protocol of the government. Do you know what I'm saying? So he could have been stoned on the spot because that was the penalty for exposing yourself and exposing others to this infirmity.
0: As we Thanks for joining us here on The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova. Pastor Dion has been discussing what it must have been like for those who walked the paths that Jesus did during his time here on earth. We're in a series called Encounters with Jesus. The concept of meeting Jesus in person is kind of beyond us right now, but there were actual people who were living, breathing, hurting, dying, broken, arrogant, and even suffering. Jesus engaged with all kinds of people here, and it shows that he's not afraid to engage with you and I in what we're going through either. He's not surprised by it, and it's not new to him, the things that we're going through. He's aware, and he cares. Do you believe that today? As you listen to these teachings, our prayer is that your heart is being drawn closer to your Savior as you encounter him in the Scriptures. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. To find out more, and to find our church, head on over to tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. We'd love to have you come and see us sometime. If you're more of a phone person, you can contact us at 505-753-4363. Once again, that number is 505-753-4363. With that, our time with you today has come to an end. We're so glad you made some space in your day to hear and learn more from God's Word. May you find that you're closer to Jesus from having done so right here on The Simple Truth. Deeds we sow, let us draw our hands And together we stand